Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast souping up the homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human Extra, the chance where Rachel and I will go through the news, see what's happening, and in general, catch up on how we're surviving in these weird, weird times. Hello Rachel, you there? Hello, I'm here, how are you? Live via Zoom with... I've no idea what that background of yours is. It looks a little bit like 2001, like you're the big giant baby floating on top of the planet. <laughs> yes, and um, it's it's the Earth. Is my I've changed my background on Zoom to be the Earth with the sun rising behind it. I, I made my own one here. Like I'm going to see what you think of this because I was quite chuffed when I did it, but I'm not too sure anymore. Oh, oh no, it's not, it's not dark enough. There, that's the key. <sighs> It allows me to be Patrick Moore from, um, you know, Games Master. Surely you're a kid of the 90s as well. Oh, right. Oh. Anyway, um, I suppose half the point of this is that we want a chance to sort of a look at the science that's going on, but also recap some of the stuff that we covered last week when we were talking with uh, um, Professor Christina Krushchank and uh, Chloe James, Dr. Chloe James, and the people from Manchester and Salford, because um, they recovered on the whole ton of stuff that's kind of relevant to what's going on right now as well as kind of improving the species so maybe do we want to go to a bit more detail of that kind of stuff yes i have some questions based on uh what we discussed last week and things which i should have said hang on what's that and just didn't get a chance to so if we can cover some of those i would feel a lot more happy about some of the things we discussed then and as your friendly um mediocre biologist you're hoping i can hopefully answer some of these questions without the expert help it's a lot of pressure i realize but you're, <laughs> you're up to it i know you are so first of all dr chloe james said that coronavirus is an rna virus sort of in passing and yeah. that this is why this is why they've sent all their qpcr machines to help with finding it in samples now i was very interested in that but i actually don't know what an rna virus is can you help me out well, the first step is, do you know what RNA is? No. Well, you know what DNA is? Yes. So DNA is a nucleic acid and RNA is a different nucleic acid. 
And in fact, we think it's the more ancient one. So if you went back to some of the first life that there was on Earth, we know that it didn't use DNA as the mechanism for kind of writing the instructions of life. Like if you think of all your chromosomes and all the DNA that there is in every living thing that has DNA, it's just kind of instructions saying this is how you should be alive the way that you're alive. So that's the kind of instructions, and those instructions get passed on from generations, and then they build you through things like proteins, fats, that kind of stuff. So your DNA is a bunch of genes and other things which give the instructions that make you you. But before that, there was a whole other world which used RNA. And in fact, we still use RNA even ourselves. In order to turn those instructions into something which your body can read, they have to be turned into messenger RNA. So all your DNA is locked up inside the big library of, that is the nucleus, something you find at the heart of nearly every single cells. It's the, the, the gatekeeper for the knowledge that makes you you. You crack open the nucleus, you've got all your DNA, and a human stack it into, and you've got about two meters in every single one. It's got all the DNA to make all of you. So if you take a swab from your cheek, sure enough, you've got all those cheek cells, but they've got the instructions to make all the rest of you. So if I was to nick one of your hairs, Rachel, I could make like a clone army of you. I'm not going to, like, don't worry. I wish you would, it'd be great. But you're with me so far. Think of how quickly I could get the housework done. <laughs> it would be just like kind of like a less green gremlin, given your height. It'd be all everywhere. <laughs> don't feed it after midnight. Okay, so I, I'm still confused though. So, so before, so DNA is in all of us and and contains the instructions to create all of us over again. Should we want to, RNA happened before DNA, but what? Or it's it's also DNA is the thing we pass on to the next generation. Really, you know, you stick half your genes, half your DNA into your sperm and your eggs. You combine that with another set of sperm and eggs, and that makes a whole new individual. It's mixing those instructions, but that's DNA. Okay, it's our means of inheriting. It's our means of passing on information that codes for you. Okay, but to use that, to use that, you have to turn it into RNA because ah. the RNA, this messenger RNA, can then leave the nucleus and go off and give the things that build the proteins the instructions. Yeah. Okay. I see. And we even know because of like things like these viruses that long, long before there was a DNA world, there was an RNA world with this. This um, thing which we now use as a kind of intermediate, that we use as kind of the photocopy that you send out to the factories that build you, used to be the one that, that was the primary one. And in fact, we've got lots more RNA. So you've got messenger RNA, which is the stuff which is like a copy. Actually, it's more like taking a negative, like an opposite copy of the DNA that leaves the nucleus and goes and makes, gives the instructions. Then the thing which actually builds um, the RNA uh, is RNA that's in your ribosomes, transfer RNA. So that's the thing which kind of has little codes. Now that's getting into like far too much detail that we don't really need. Because the key is that actually viruses come in a huge variety. So some of them have DNA as their coding mechanism. Some of them have single-stranded DNA as their mechanism. And it can either be the sense strand or what we call the nonsense strand. So one is the one, if you think of your DNA, it's like a zip. Yeah, you know, that kind of shape, the sort of... Uh, Spiral staircase? Yep. Well, that means that there's two banisters, mm -hmm. right? Because it's a double helix. Yes. So it's actually only one side that has the information, and the other side is just keeping that information locked tight, keeping it zipped up mm -hmm. in the double helix. So to read that information to make a copy, you have to kind of unzip it. Right. Yeah? Okay. 
But you get viruses that can either use the, the sense strand, the one that codes, or the non-sense strand, the one that doesn't code. And then you get viruses which use RNA instead. You even get viruses which have got like nonsense RNA. The, the combination that viruses use is staggering. And actually we're finding more and more to find that there might be even sort of viruses which don't have all their information within one viral particle. We're now starting to think you kind of get these viruses which have to work in groups. So it's kind of like one capsid, one head of a virus has got one gene that it needs to make and another one, another one, and another one, another one, all to make the single copy of this new virus. It's like almost like different individuals are carrying different chapters to the instructions of life. That is so complicated and so weird that we're only starting to get to grips with it now. That is terrifying. But yes, the key here is that this is RNA. So it can be squirted straight into your, your cell, as happens with viruses. They come along, they hijack the cellular machinery for replicating themselves. And they don't have to be DNA reading into something else. Instead, they can just squirt in some RNA. And then your protein-making machinery just looks at those instructions and assumes that it's making for another bit of you when instead it's making this nasty little piece of work as a virus. Perfect. That is exactly what I needed to understand that bit of the uh, interview. So thank you for that. The, the key is because it is complicated. Like Genuinely, if we wanted to explore RNA and DNA and stuff in depth, we'd be here for hours. So Chloe had to get to her pitch and didn't have time. Just let's accept that there are DNA viruses out there, there are RNA, RNA viruses out there. And there are even weirder still viruses out there. Great. And we know that there was a pre-DNA world a long, 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 long time ago before there was a DNA world, RNA ruled the roost. Lovely. Now, Chloe also talked about uh, bacteriophages, which I sort of understand. And I've looked them up and they look like uh, a sort of spaceship on legs essentially uh, <laughs> very small one admittedly but that, that's what they look like um, and she mentioned how you can train them and I was very uh, interested and also slightly confused by this how on earth do you train bacteriophages it's it's kind of a word I suppose we're using to substitute for evolve so what you need to get is something which is like a bacteriophage that eats something like the disease that you're after. Put them together and the bacteria and the virus will enter into an evolutionary arms race where they try and come up with ways of subverting each other's defense mechanisms. So the first key here is that sure enough, bacteria have viruses. We call those bacteria phage. The, the word phage, I think it's Greek and just means eat. So it's a bacteria eater. Mm -hmm. um, and like, it, it's more or less that because they produce in such high, high numbers, like one can be squirted in and then millions will be created within a bacterial cell until that cell pops and they burst out. It gives you the two things that you need for evolution to happen, which is variation and selection. So you've got loads of variety because there's loads of these different viruses, all of which have been copied either correctly or slightly incorrectly, giving you the variety. And then selection is which ones are the ones that get into the next set of bacteria the quickest. And that's that's the key to evolution is those two things. So if you get loads of viruses and loads of bacteria, shove them together, give it a little bit of time because they replicate both so quickly, and suddenly you've got things that have turned into sort of like antibacteria ninjas. Great. You see, we're always looking for good ideas for the human race. And Clearly, what we actually need is the ability to replicate at the, the level that bacteriophages do. 
Well, you could kind of argue we we are like we are the most successful mammal on the planet. We're not we're not multiplying by the million in in twenty four hours, though, are we? No, okay, we might be a little bit slower, yeah, Grant, but there's more of us than there ever has been. So if you're going to look for evolutionary potential, this is kind of the time to do it. And look, it is one of those sort of things people think that humans have stopped evolving, and that is simply not true. There's a whole ton of traits which are um, happening right now, probably that we don't know of, and there's ones that we know of in our recent past that are kind of, if you look at this kind of timescale of evolution and geology and all that stuff, they're in the blink of an eye. Like milk, um, being able to to tolerate lactose in, in adulthood, being able to drink milk as an adult is one of those things which has been so strongly selected for and has evolved multiple times in very recent evolutionary history. So what happens to us right now, I suppose I'd argue that what we need for evolution, as we say, is selection and variety. We have more variety than we've ever had before now, just because there's so many more of us. Um, and as nasty things that kill us come along, we've also got that potential to evolve. That almost sounds like pandemics are a good idea. Well, not for that the, they're a good idea, the but that they will have... <laughs> well, it, it will have lasting effects on us. Mm. Yeah. Like that that is the truth of it. Like we think some people find markers suggesting that there was evolution around the Black Death. So previous pandemics have shaped the species as it goes forward. That's yeah. very interesting. There's a small suggestion from some recent studies that we might even be um kind of evolving mechanisms to avoid Alzheimer's. And that's based on what we call the grandmother hypothesis. Basically, that as a society we need um old Older people, you know, people think that evolution only really acts on um, acts on you before you get a chance to reproduce. Because if you passed on those genes, keeping the next set alive, like you and me, Rachel, doesn't really matter as much. We're very much write-offs at this stage. I'm aware yeah, of that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's not true of social animals like us, where grandparents are useful. They're libraries of knowledge that know what to do when the famine comes and when the drought comes. And if nothing else, they help with childcare. So my um, parents-in-law and parents have been fantastic for helping bring up my kids. So much so that keeping people to live to an old age is something we know is an evolutionary trait of humans. Uh, the menopause is probably the best evidence. We've evolved a mechanism for trying to keep old women alive and avoiding having childbirth, which is massively traumatic, traumatic and can kill them off. You with me so far? I know this has gone onto weird tangents. No, I like it when it goes into weird tangents. That's very much what I'm here for. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So there's some evidence that actually evolving against Alzheimer's might be something similar. Now, that's not enough to give people hope because I know it's one of those horrible diseases that we're trying to fight all the time. And evolution is slow, but it seems to be there's at least some mechanisms evolving to try and avoid that. So that that explains how you train bacteriophages and, and also many other things we've covered there. But basically it is uh, put them into a put them into a gladiatorial sort of combat situation with a bacteria and let them learn how to deal with it. Let's, let's imagine, and this is a very 80s reference, so excuse me, let's imagine the Thunderdome, okay? Mm-hmm. And you've got Tina Turner singing off in the corner. You shove in a bacteria, you shove in a virus, and you see which one survives. But you do that... Tina Turner, definitely well, not. <laughs> in a massive Thunderdome. That's the key. You need so, so many more individuals. So the fact that bacteria are tiny and viruses are tiny mean that you can do these huge wars on epic scales. Okay, next question. What is a cytokine? Um, it's not quite a hormone, but it's basically a signaling chemical. And it's primarily involved in things like inflammation. So the place where this was relevant for what we were talking about last week was a cytokine storm, which basically means that you get this sort of cascade of cytokines. One of these little signals triggers off another signal, which triggers off another signal, and causes the body to do all sorts of defense stances. It basically says, right, everybody, panic. Start reacting. Do something now. And sometimes this can cause things like inflammation. And if you get a cytokine storm, it's basically like the body has gone into proper, proper panic overdrive. And it is overreacting. So you're getting too much inflammation and stuff like that, which can end up being more damaging. So there's been some suggestion that, say, some diseases of the past, um, like the Spanish flu, uh, that happened at the end of World War One. there. Perhaps the reason why it killed so many healthy people, that was the thing which was noteworthy, was because they had such good immune systems that this cytokine storm could really get out of hand. And actually those people with weaker immune systems, such as the elderly and children, were the ones that tended to survive because their body didn't overreact as much. Fever. Fever is a very, very good example. Your body doesn't want to be feverish. Fever can kill. Fever can kill you, but effectively what you're doing is you're trying to create a hostile environment for a virus or a bacteria that's living in you. Something which it is less likely to survive, whereas you will. But if you go too far, it could still kill you. When it's doing it right, what you're doing is you're getting a hammer to crack your walnut. Uh, When the cytokine storm happens, you're getting a sledgehammer to crack your foot as you miss that walnut. Thank you. That was very helpful. That that helps me understand everything that was confusing to me in that episode, and I didn't get to put my hand up and say, hang on, what's this? What's that? And you've got a new story, I think, for us. Well, I know how sad you are, like me, that the Eurovision Song Contest is going to be cancelled because of this whole pandemic thing. Absolutely gutted. So some very good news. The AI Eurovision Song Contest is still on. What? Yes, there's an international, Europe-wide artificial intelligence competition 
where people are trying to write programs and neural networks and AI programs to create Eurovision hits. That is absolutely incredible. Um, it's it's worth listening to as well. Now, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a great big pop fan or anything, so I've listened to them and I can't tell if they're any better or worse than pop songs that there are out there. If you want to, if you want to take part, everyone, if you want to actually get a chance to vote for what you think is the best one, just Google AI Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, I love this. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, I'm going to have to look that up. Obviously, I don't have the skills to create anything, but I'm going to have to look it up. That sounds amazing. That's exactly what we need in these troubled times is a, a an algorithm creating the equivalent of an ABBA hit. And then and then how are they performed? Uh, well, I think I think they're just now released digitally. It's not like there's going to be live performances of these things. But, but how but are they, they basically... like when you say released digitally, is something going to sing it? Well, in you can listen online. It's it's not going to be I don't know, plugged into Celine Dion. But what do you hear? Is it a person singing a tune which has been created by an algorithm, or is so it? So in some, in some cases, um, they've gone the kind of mechanism letting the the computer write the song, and then somebody else sings it. Mm-hmm. In some cases, they've even been sort of doing that digitally. They've been using just this sort of sound. So effectively, if you feed um, these algorithms enough information, they'll be able to garner out certain sounds, certain pitches, certain tempos, see what kind of like are the things that we like. You know, at what point, at what minute does the song suddenly do its, its, uh, its key change? <laughs> at what point should the artificially intelligent Westlife stand up? Off the stools. Off the stools, yeah. Welcoming it's out all a these... thousand... <laughs> Teenage knickers to be thrown onto the stage. Can you get digital knickers? I'm sure that's one of those things. It's probably well, an emoji for that. I assume this is how this is going to be judged, that you can throw digital pants at them. I would love that. <laughs> but this, this is this is genuine. So in some cases, I think they've got like people singing them. In other ones, they've got people interacting with them in some other kind of way. And other ones are just sort of pure artificial intelligence. So one I think that's worthwhile uh, checking out perhaps is also the Databots. Um, the Databots are a German group, if we can call them that. They're people who developed artificial intelligence and they've already created a uh, 24-7 live streaming artificially intelligent death metal band. <laughs> so you can log on right now. Now, I've got it on my screen. You can go to YouTube and you can head hear endless looping death metal being created live by these uh these algorithms wow i remember discovering a band called boris in about 2002 which had created like uh, an hour of screaming death metal and i thought that that was more death metal than anybody ever needed to hear but apparently not i think i've seen boris live that wouldn't surprise me at all and okay, I've just Googled them, and of course I'm getting as Boris Johnson, and I haven't seen him live, nor do I want to. <laughs> it's a two hours, isn't that right? Oh, it might be a two-hour death metal tune. It might be. Is it a two-hour long single? No, no, two hours. That's just the accent getting oh, in the way. Oh, two hours. I've no idea. My flatmate played it to me. I never, ever looked them up. I just remember the name. Well, the key here, I suppose, is that these people are able to make all sorts of things by feeding the algorithms, all sorts of things. The science is probably the same regardless of what type of music you're making. It just depends what you plumb into it, what you get out. And if you happen to be plumbing in all of uh, Britain's 
um, Eurovision entries, you will get a contestant that will lose. <laughs> well, maybe you won't. Maybe that's the secret to British Eurovision entries, is that if you actually mangle them all into one AI bot sort of regurgitated horrendousness it'll actually be the best tune ever written that ever could be written you've got to remember at all times that the average of the crowd's uh guesses is usually accurate i think they just need to feed the same algorithm my lovely horse ten thousand times and see what comes out <laughs> that would be good yeah now that's all we've got for this episode i think unless you've got anything to tell people about that you've got coming up simon uh we did um we did my pub quiz uh universally challenged online and we will be doing it again exactly when i'm not sure so if you follow me on twitter at simon d watt you'll get all the news there um it's weird like it it, it was weird doing it online because when we do it live, it's basic, utter bedlam. Like every round is a bit strange. We've got an awful lot of weird origami usually <laughs> as part of it. Uh, my favourite one this time is we had uh, an interval slash history round where we asked people in their own homes to try and come up with the best medieval costume they could. Um, and there was an, a woman who grabbed her iron and turned it upside down to make a fantastic shield. <laughs> That's great. So we'll be doing that again. I think that's the only thing I can really plug because and even that, I don't know when it's going to be. Jeez, it's chaos. It is, isn't it? I mean, we're all just trying to get from one day to the next, really. I've uh, I've tried to work out what I can do in the lockdown to help people out. And as a comedian and an unemployed one at that, there is very little one can actually do to help. So what I've come up with is if you want to start a podcast to communicate your research, I will help you. Uh, for what that's worth. I mean, I know a little bit about podcasting. So if, if you've been thinking about starting a podcast for a while and you've not actually got around to it, you can go to rachelwheelie.help and sign up for my help, which I'm going to provide for free during the lockdown. And if you'd like to help the podcast, because uh, we have bills to pay as well, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash leveluphuman. And on there, you can now sign up to six different levels of patronage from the tardigrade through the axolotl <laughs> and the glass frog and the uh, rock hydrax all the way up to the sperm whale if you're feeling generous <laughs> patreon.com forward slash level up human good choices of animals dude i didn't know you were doing that so that's perfect well i've just i've just chosen the ones that we talk about the most so if you if you have a look on there you can you can have a look at what might be missing because uh there's bound to be loads more but if we were doing about the month of ones we, we talk about well for a start you're missing a naked mole rat which we bang on about all the time <gasps> we have to put a naked mole rat on there that's a great idea and tardigrades should surely be the number one because they seem to be endlessly in our feed. Tardigrades is the basic entry level uh, patronage level. That's the two. But they survive everything. <laughs> oh, do you think they should be at the top? Maybe they should. Okay, I'll have another look at it and I'll add a naked mole rat. Thanks for that. We should point out that doesn't mean that our patrons have to get naked. That's up to you. Yeah, I mean, everybody's naked now. There's really no reason to get dressed. <laughs> As ever, thank you very much indeed for listening. It's been absolutely lovely to talk to you this is simon and i's one moment of sanity in the week because we have young children so um thank you very much indeed for sharing it with us and we'll speak to you again soon bye bye that was level up human hosted by simon watt produced by rachel wheelie and supported by the physiological society for more information go to leveluphuman.com 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 